I was a kid, I used to dream what it would be like to live somewhere far away from Detroit. But I realized the city was a part of me. It was in my blood. And I would do anything to make it a better place. Good and evil. Sometimes the difference between the two is a sharp line. Sometimes it's a blur. We're gonna make a difference. I know it doesn't feel like it sometimes, but we are. You're a motor mouth. But you see so much. I hear things. You know what they call stuff like that? Gifts. I'm gonna train you. Use it. That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You might be qualified, ML. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Alec? Hey, kids. It's your old pal, ML Elric, and today is a double soul day. Yes, it's the soul of Detroit that you've come to know and love on a weekly basis, or at least tolerate and we're going to be joined shortly by charles soul who is uh where do i start he's uh he went to an ivy league school for undergrad he went to an ivy league school for grad school he plays guitar he was a successful lawyer he's everything you wish you were uh he's a novelist he's a comic book writer and now he's involved in the new star wars so basically (laughs) everything you wish you were we hate him, but we're going to try and ride his coattails to uh, to new Zenith, uh, which actually <laughs> Zenith is a, that'd be a great idea for a comic oh. book series. So uh, Charles, um, when, uh, while we talk about some people who aren't so, so grand, maybe you could, you know, knock out something and I could. See, I'm sure comic and novelists love being pitched ideas. Yeah. I could probably, I could probably letter it or something or. I don't know, but but think about that. Think about that. Um, uh, but first, I have to tell you, we're, we're making some news today on the soul of Detroit because uh, I am calling for the immediate resignation of Detroit City Councilman Gabe Leland, and uh, my campaign is talking about that today. Hopefully, we're going to be getting some uh, some opportunities to engage with the media on that, but I've been exposing Gabe Leland's problems let's just say to be kind since 2015 and for the last few years i've been i've been revealing that he's doing things like voting for millions of dollars worth of contracts for his uh, then girlfriend's companies that he was demanding bribes from from businessmen that would be gasper fiore's daughter is that uh, the one it was gasper yeah. fiore's daughter she has moved on to greener pastures um, I, her, I've been, uh, talking about, uh, his failure to file campaign finance reports. I've shown businessman who, uh, a businessman who said that, that Leland demanded bribes. And after he was de- indicted for that very conduct, I revealed the secret plea deal he struck. That's probably going to keep him out of jail. And I also revealed, and as you heard on this show, we played the secret FBI recordings of councilman Leland at a strip club, mm-hmm. demanding or negotiating how those bribes would be paid. Uh, it's a strip club he drove to in a city car. Uh, I'm not saying that this is another sign of his incompetence, but it's a strip club that had no strippers in it. So that was kind of like, dude, you know, what are you doing? And uh, and he was harassing the bartender, asking her, you know, if she would uh, 
if she would entertain them. So all around a bad dude. Now, I've done all these stories over the last several years, and most of them in 2020, yet Councilman Leland remains on Detroit City Council, where he can still vote on deals, where he can still collect a a salary, where he can still have a city car, where he can still employ uh, whoever he thinks uh, is worthy of Detroit taxpayers' dollars, which, given his judgment, I, I don't have much confidence in that. But not only is his resignation long overdue, what's what's so outrageous is in March, yeah. he told Deadline Detroit, he started to get cocky. He said, I'm feeling pretty good about where I'm at, so stay tuned, as they say, somehow suggesting that he might yet run for re-election when, once he does plead guilty to this felony, which his lawyer says he will do, he's going to be forced to leave office. And in fact, under the Michigan Constitution, will not be able to run for office for another 20 years. Well, it, he's already been arraigned. I don't understand why you can do that. I and mean, you, everybody knows it's going to happen. But he's still on city council making decisions. It's it's ludicrous. Well, why? Where are other candidates for city council on this? Because you're taking a stand and saying he should resign immediately. Any other feedback from them? Uh, I don't know uh, that other candidates are talking about this. What, what's what's more concerning is that his colleagues aren't talking about yeah. this. I've been asking them for almost a year now. When is it time for Councilman Leland to go? And they are completely and utterly mum on the subject. Meanwhile, Leland is telling Deadline Detroit, I'm proud of what I've done. And this is really? this is the coup de grace. He says, I didn't crawl into this job and I'm not going to crawl out of the job. Um, well, uh, and this is when he announced he's not going to, well, guess what? Crawl out of the job. Somebody should be pulling you out of the job. And so if Mr. Leland doesn't have the character and the uh, the decency to resign, I think we already know what the answer to that is. I think it's time for his city council colleagues to, you want to defund something? Defund Gabe Leland. Amen. Take away the budget for his staff. Remove him from whatever committees he may be sitting on. Because remember, when he was demanding these payments, it was because he was the chairman of a committee that could either hold up a deal or put a deal forward. So he was using his position for his own personal gain. And please take away the keys to that city car that he has, because this man, we don't need him driving any more strip clubs to try and uh, solicit any more uh, money to which he is not entitled. So Gabe Leland, it's time for you to go. It's been time for you to go for a long time. If no one else is willing to say it, I'm going to say it. I couldn't say it when I was a reporter. I thought the reporting spoke for itself. I'm no longer a reporter. Uh, so forget that I'm running for office. I mean, if you can, or if you want to send a donation, that's fine too. <laughs> uh, I will not accept it at a strip club, but, um, but it's time for Gabe Leland to go. Somebody has to say it. Uh, it, it's, it's just so obvious. I'm, I'm surprised and uh, disappointed that I'm the first one to say it explicitly, but Gabe, it's so obvious exit stage left. Yeah. Beat exit it. Exit stage right. Do the snaggle puss and get out of here. Because you are bad medicine, and the people of Detroit deserve so much more. When you put self-service in front of public service, uh, you got to go. And in fact, the charter of the city of Detroit was strengthened about a decade ago to make it easier to remove elected officials who were bad actors. And it is beyond my comprehension why that mechanism has not been put into uh, into effect to... Uh, to get this uh, to get this canker off of uh, off of Detroit's face, to get this barnacle off of the ship of state, to uh, 
I could go on with the metaphors, but uh, just but, get but, rid of them. But, but get Char- out of there. Charles dude. is the writer, so we'll 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 let him uh, we'll let him throw a couple of jabs in just yeah. a minute. But uh, but so anyways, uh, Gabe, it's time for you to go. Beat it. Um, <laughs> Good. And and you know what? When they take away that city car, now that they think about it, um, he's probably going to need a new ride. Uh, perhaps Roy O'Brien Ford could sell him one you know that's 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 where my mom who's never taken anything she didn't deserve uh got her red ford focus wagon um miles strong she's still a satisfied customer for 75 years roy o'brien's been taking care of customers at the corner of nine mile and mac in st Clair shores if you don't feel like going there uh, why don't you visit them virtually at royobrien.com that's r o y o b r i e n.com you can check out fast track which lets you choose your vehicle and options you can pick your deal lease it finance it or pay cash get the value of your trade in apply for financing and schedule delivery of your ride if you go in person they will keep you safe they mask up they respect social distancing and they have a large and spacious waiting room where you can wait while maybe you just get your oil changed. Maybe you get some new tires. You name it, they will make you safe. They will keep you safe, and they will put you in a sweet ride, new or used. And they got a lot of a lot of whips on the lot. Check them out. To learn more, visit royalbryan.com or call 888-566-5851. Be sure to tell them ML's mother's son sent you. And, uh, and if you see Gabe Leland there... Um, yeah, he's not going to get more free uh, car repairs from them. Yeah, just keep, keep a social distance from Gabe Arino. Just uh, even when we're outside the pandemic, it's probably just probably just good advice. And that big exhale you heard during that read was Sean. Sean just just oh. moved on it, just slid on into the show today. Sean is uh, jo- Sean is with us. Sean, it's so good to see you. I like your tie, a skinny tie. Are you going to wear a tuxedo T-shirt next week? Perhaps a piano keyed. He's all dressed outfit. up today. Uh, I like it. It's a nod to your. New wave, uh, what's the word there? I don't want to say roots. You're on a roll. <laughs> Your new wave. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to bail a guy out who's trying to tear me up. Come on, bro. No, 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 I'm not tearing you up. I like it. it. I love it that you you take 1986 style and you say, you know what? That's style right now. I love it. I just like your you hoodie. You are which, who you are. I love your, your very attractive hoodie, which is available at the Drew and Mike's. The store hoodie I'm wearing has your name on it. That's why he loves it. That's right. I am an idolater. <laughs> of Mr. Mike Elroy. And we know he dressed up today because Charles is on the line. He's yes. very jealous of Charles's career. And 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 Charles Why, is Why because is, he speaks Chinese? Is very patient. Could yeah. Be. Um I think I think both Mandarin and uh whatever the other Chinese language is. It's Charles is that right? Is there other so I, I uh I, I speak Mandarin. Um, I, I don't speak Cantonese very well. I lived in Hong Kong for a while growing up, but uh Cantonese is a real pain in the ass and I I decided to do Mandarin, which is also a pain in the ass, but it's a little less of one. So that's what I ended up uh, studying. But, you know, but, you know, this is about Detroit. And so and we just heard uh, an ad for uh, uh, a car dealership. And so I I figured maybe I had some car things I wanted to mention. Um, First of all, what what kind of city car is it? Because you seem very fixated on this car. Is it like a a, a Rolls or something incredible? Or is it, you know, do you have any idea? No, I I think at the time it may have been a Crown Victoria or it could have been the new uh, Ford Explorer XLTs that city council members got. Top of the line explorers and and one of the things about uh, about these guys and women on city council is they get these these rides. They don't have to pay for gas. They can gas them up at the city uh, at the city yard. They don't have to pay insurance, which is a major savings for um, 
for anyone in Detroit because, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, they, they, they kill you with that. And you know, it's a ride. You need new tires. You need to get, you know, you don't need to bother with, uh, with a great dealership like Royal Bryan. You just go Mm -hmm. to the city and say, Hey, can you fix us up? And, and there was even a point when, uh, Christine Beatty was the chief of staff. She had a crown Victoria and she took it back to the garage because she said, I want to get a new stereo in here. And she was the mayor's chief of staff. So they put a new stereo in her whip for what? her because, uh, because she was the boss and she wanted, she wanted, uh, you know, a little higher quality tunes. All on the city's dime. Well, you know, rank has its privileges, I guess. That's, uh, that's wild. But, but um, you know, I, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see what I, I don't know enough about uh, Detroit politics right now, other than to say that I, I grew up in Detroit. Uh, I, I lived in Birmingham for a long time and kind of different spots. Uh, and, uh, it, it sounds like very little has changed in Detroit politics from what uh, yeah. what I used to hear about growing up. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah. the city is the city, right? Not enough has changed, but even even a gentleman with your amazing imagination would be hard pressed to come up with a storyline like we see playing out in the city of Detroit on a regular basis. And just for for folks who who haven't been following us on social media, we, we let you know that Charles Soul is our guest. He is a, a writer, novelist, musician. Attorney, he's written Daredevil, She-Hulk, uh, Death of Wolverine. He's got some novels that are doing very well. And he's also got a new Star Wars treatment out, which I, I kind of, I have to ask you because I like Star Wars, but is it is it, are we up to episode XXV970 or are we back to like the, the, sub the two? Because th- last one we saw was episode nine. So this okay. would be, the, the next thing coming out will be episode 10, if and when they ever do it. But but the thing that I just did, the thing that I helped spearhead was this new, it's a new Star Wars storyline called The High Republic. And it's it's like all the Star Wars stuff you know, except it's set about 200 years earlier. So it's got an all new set of characters. There's a few people who show up like Yoda. Yoda's really old, so he was around back then. But by and large, it's all new stuff. So all new characters, all new ideas. So the, the idea was to bring in fans who might not know everything about every bit of every story that's already been told and just say, here's a new fresh start. You know, Jedi have lightsabers, you know, there's the force, you know, there's good guys, bad guys, whatever. Um, but you can just come in cold. And so Lucasfilm asked me to help build that, um, uh, about two and a half years ago. And so I did with a group of four other, um, kind of high level star Wars writers. And, uh, the first project from that, which was a novel that I wrote called light of the Jedi that launched, uh, on January 5th of this year and landed at number one on the New York Times bestseller list and stayed on the list for uh, uh, about a month, which was pretty exciting. Um, and, uh, and it's still doing really well. So that's, that's my latest big project, but I've done, I've been doing stuff with star Wars for since 2015, which has been a real, a real joy. I'm a huge fan of that. Stuff. So with the high Republic, shouldn't that be like episode 420 dank? Yeah, I know. I know. We, I, oh boy, I've heard those ones. Joke. I've heard those gags. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> He's already heard them. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, it, the thing about Star Wars fandom is that they are very involved in a really good way. So if there's, you know, the minute something's announced, you get a million Reddit posts about it. You get a million, you know, million posts on your Twitter or whatever. So yes, I've heard the gags about the High Republic 420, the whole thing. Um, but it, it actually means that it's like a, a, like a golden age, you know, like it's, it's a time when everything was kind of good in the galaxy and, and, uh, you know, and whenever things are really good, you just figure something's going to come to take yeah. it all down, and that's that's what happens. In so the this story. is this like is pre shows up and it's all pre Senator Palpatine and all the bad dudes, pre Anakin, pre everything except Yoda. Pre, pre all of that. Yeah, yeah. Yoda Yoda's doesn't there, have scoliosis. Um, dad, Chewie's dead. 
Is that what you said? Dad. Chewbacca's dad. His oh, dad. dad. <laughs> I was like, well, that doesn't make sense if he'd be dead, but yeah. Well, what, that's yeah. just such a huge responsibility to take up, you know, a franchise like that. And the amazing thing for comics from, from my perspective is the continuity because you've had so many writers and graphic novels and, and just branches and that come back. How hard is it to pay attention to a continuity, say, when you're doing Star Wars, whether that's before, but maybe picking up, you know, Death of Wolverine or yeah. Daredevil? Look, it's uh, part of it is that I grew up with all that stuff. I've always been a comics guy ever since I was little. So I've been uh, sort of going through this uh, this this incredibly lengthy you know, PhD education in, in Daredevil or Wolverine or X-Men or Superman since I was about five years old. Um, but uh, you also, when you know, when you work for Marvel or DC or, or Lucasfilm or Star Wars, whatever, they have, they have um, kind of resources that you can access to, to learn about the continuity and, and shore up any weak spots you might have. Um, but then it's really just, you know, the, the fun thing about research in comics or Star Wars or anything is you get to read a lot of comics or watch a lot of Star Wars and that's stuff I love anyway. So, um, you know, there's a lot to keep track of. And if you mess something up, the fans definitely let you know it, but <laughs> there's also a support system in place to, to help you from making any errors that are too big. So how, how do you make the narrative move on, uh, on sort of the glory days of the Republic? So I, you know, uh, I told you I was going to pitch. You. I think I, I've got a book proposal on Kwame Kilpatrick's rise and fall. They make a fantastic graphic novel. <laughs> but at one point I was trying to turn it into a screenplay. And so I read a book yeah. on screenplays and they said that every time the story starts to sag, make something horrible happen to the protagonist. That if, unless there's drama and conflict and, and the hero meets the challenge, then the hero has to decide, is he going to take on the challenge or abandon ship? Or is the challenge going to kill the hero? And then we find out whether the mm -hmm. hero... Uh, meets the challenge or survives, and then there's there's sort of a there's sort of a, a culmination. Um, you know, if if times are good in the Republic, that kind of feels like a boring story. How do you keep it going? Uh, you think so, right? But it's it's when things are at their height that there's the 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 farthest they have to fall, right? So it's it's um and and the other thing too is that things might be good for some people, but that doesn't mean they're necessarily good for everybody. And the people who they're not good for, who who, who don't like this power structure. Uh, start gnawing away at the foundations and it's uh it's really about kind of you know the balance of power and who has it and how it's used and and you know one of the things that's really fun about this time is that since it is kind of a golden age the jedi have been able to spend a lot of time focusing on studying the force and so they're like they're not distracted by anything so they're they're really good at using the force and we get to see them do some really amazing things that we haven't really seen before so you know, if you if you like Star Wars, uh, if, even if you only know it a little bit from like you know movies you might seen once or twice, it's really a good place to start. Um, there's going to be it's it's a it's a sort of a program that's going to run for about you know for years really with lots of different stories and and it all starts with that Light of the Jedi novel that I did. Um, so maybe pick that up, see if you like it. There's projects for all ages. Mine's an adult novel, but there's also young adult, middle grade, little kid stuff, um, all sorts of things coming out. So if if you like Star Wars, it it might be worth a look. And, and so people who are are well uh, versed with all of the Star Wars canon, will they see some foreshadowing in here? I mean, are, are you are you yes. putting some Easter eggs in there where people <laughs> say like, "Oh my God, that's where Lando Calrissian got his first Colt forty five. Yeah, that's, I mean, yes. I, I don't know if we'll do that particular reference, although I get it. Um, well, if we you will, do, we'll you know where to send the, the check because uh, we got <laughs> exactly. a record here. That's the, um, that's intellectual the property, is, the soul of Detroit, not the soul of uh, Star Wars. Exactly. Um, you know, I don't know those those uh, 
the, the movies we saw, episode one, two, three, like things weren't great in the galaxy. And, and they're certainly not good in the, in the first set of movies with Luke and all that. So, so we want, if we're starting from a golden age, we want to set up kind of the, the breadcrumbs that will lead you to all of the history that happens later. So it's all, you know, the thing that's really fun about it is that it's not just me sitting in my, in my studio where I am now just sitting and typing by myself. Like I'm, I'm with kind of this brain trust of people at Lucasfilm because we really want this to be big and succeed. So we're, it's, it's building a whole new world out using some tools that exist, but man, it's a blast just to like, you know, I've been to Skywalker ranch out in California wow. a few times to work on this. Um, you know, we've, we've done a lot of really exciting, um, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it's a really big project. It feels like we're making a trilogy of movies here. Um, but, even though we're not making, these aren't movies yet. We'll see what happens. But right now there it's, it's novels and, and, you know, there's some, some, animated content and various things, but it's just getting bigger and bigger all the time. So it's really exciting. Does Lucasfilm, do they have a vault of say characters that they were going to use for certain things? Cause I know Marvel does. They've had massive vault of these comic book heroes. Most of them made like in the forties, some of them just laughably bad, like the doorman. And I think DC's got an arm fall off boy, just really weird and random. Does Lucasfilm have that? And have you ever gone through the Marvel ones to see, Oh, here's, you know, here's a character that's underused that I could write for. I mean, I'll say, you know, yes to both, right? Well, one of the one of the advantages of writing for a character that people don't know as well is you can do stuff with them. Um, because if you're writing with, you're writing, say, Darth Vader, like I did, a, I did a big story about Darth Vader for Star Wars a couple years back, and Darth Vader, people know a lot about, and so you can't do as many things about him. Like we already know who his mom is, right? So there's stuff you can't tell that story. But if you're making up a story about I don't know, leg fall off boy, whatever <laughs> um, that character, nobody knows about, nobody cares about. So you can put that character through the ringer. You can do whatever you want. And so there's a freedom in it, but also nobody gives a shit about leg fall off boy. So you have to write a really good story um, in order to make people care. The advantage of Darth Vader is even though there's rules around him, people really like Darth Vader and really like reading stories about him and will, and will pay for a story about Darth Vader, even if they don't know what it's about necessarily. So you know, it's always kind of a push and pull between freedom and, you know, the art and commerce, right? So, you know, you want your book to be something people will buy and pick up or your story. Um, but you also want to be able to tell the story you want to tell. And sometimes those goals are in conflict a little bit when you're working with the really huge pop culture icons. But, you know, it's kind of a rush to be writing Captain America or, or Superman. Hell, man, I like the the first time I wrote Superman dialogue or Superman, you know, opens his, his dress shirt, Clark Kent mm -hmm. opens a shirt and there's a Superman symbol like, you get a you get a rush from that. Um, you know, Luke Skywalker turns on his lightsaber, whatever. You know, those things that we've all, you know, we can feel those things in our heart. And when you get to tell stories using those moments, it's pretty powerful. That is, that is pretty cool. I, and feel free to not answer this question because you mentioned Captain America, and I personally feel like he's always been a little overrated. Is there a really popular um, comic book character or Star Wars character that you just like? Oh, enough of this character already. Oh man, I, of course, you know, characters get overexposed and, and they have storylines that need to be, um, what's the one you know, for they, you though, Charles, <laughs> what's, what's the yeah, one? See, that's the thing, right? I'm not, uh, <laughs> Scrooge I, McDuck. <laughs> I, I think for me, um, you know, every character has, has a place. You can do something cool with every character. And that's what, like from the beginning of me getting into this career, which really started in like 2013, I started writing a character for DC called uh, swamp thing, mm -hmm. which I know and love, but is not a huge, you know, that's not Batman, right? Like people, people might know that name tangentially. There's been some stuff. There's a TV show a year or two ago, but like Swamp Thing's not massive in the way that Batman is or, or Wolverine is. Um, but I approached that job as, as if Swamp Thing were Batman. 
And um, the first job I got writing in Star Wars was a, was a book about Lando Carizian, who I love, yeah. who, you know, is a super cool character, cool. Um, but is also not Luke Skywalker. You know, he's sort of secondary in some ways to some of the main leads, even though he's beloved. Um, but if you take whatever job you have and you write it as if it's the most important job in the world, the fans and the readers can generally feel that to some degree. And so that's, uh, you know, that's how I approach every every gig. So so when you're asking me, you know, who's the person who should be retired or put in the box? I don't know. I mean, I I know that that needs to happen sometimes with characters. And there are characters that I don't know that I would have as many great ideas for. But any any job I take, I'm going to I'm going to approach it as if it was as if it was my first and my last, you know, because you never know. So how did you get into this? I mean, you, you've got an Ivy League degree. You went to Columbia Law School. Sounds like you're doing pretty good as a lawyer. Uh, and you decide to do this. I mean, I imagine it's something that you were doing the whole time uh, on your own time. But when you said, I think I'm going to make a, I mean, did your parents call you up and just say, hey, dude, wait a minute. You know, no, what, it was, so, what the hell? So, well, first of all, you mentioned the Ivy League thing a bunch of times. I see you got a U of M flag <laughs> behind you there. That's a, that's a pretty fine school too. So uh, No, it's not. It sucks. Yeah, amen. I went to Michigan State. People bust my balls over this. All. In fact, let me. That's, a, that's mine. That's, that's all mine. That's a Wisconsin thing that's turned upside down. I'm a Spartan. I love that it bothers you. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Um, no, I just but, mean, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's somebody paid those tuition bills. And I said, okay, so I sent this kid and he's, he's writing comic books. I mean, you know, that's the kind of thing that I would think is cool, but I can see a parent saying, Hey, uh, junior, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's get back to the Supreme court here. Right. Well, here's what I'll say. You know, I, I made the choices I made in my career, um, sort of, I don't know, judiciously not to make a stupid pun, but like, (laughs) So, so yeah, I went to, I went to Penn for undergrad. I went to Columbia for, for law school that opened up doors and gave me opportunities that were really significant. And I'm not going to um, say here that I wasn't really lucky. Uh, You know, I, I obviously really, really was, but the thing about good fortune is that, you know, you need to, you can't just say, okay, I got lucky and then stop. You have to then work your ass off to make sure that a good fortune turns into whatever, whatever doors that can be opened by that bit of luck you need to use and open for yourself. Um, and so that's kind of what I did. And when I, yes, when I was in undergrad and, and law school, I always really loved doing creative stuff. I was in a bunch of bands. I did writing. Um, and I, I always knew that the path I wanted to have was a creative one. And my, you know, my parents knew this. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a shock to anybody. But when you get an opportunity, like in particular Columbia Law School, which is very hard to get and opens a lot of doors you might not be able to have otherwise opened as easily, you kind of take it. And so I practiced law for 15 years. You know, I went to Columbia, uh, graduated, got a job at a firm in New York City, uh, worked there for a while, kind of trained myself up, then um, opened my own practice. And, and I ended up doing immigration law for well over a decade. Wow. So, so yes, I did get into a creative life, but it, it took a long time and I was super cautious about it because, you know, I had a family and all these things, you know, you, you want to make sure that you're not going to just make an irresponsible choice that throws away some of the advantages you have. So, um, and, and being a lawyer, you know, especially at kind of a high level and especially at running my own practice gives you a lot of skill sets and network and, and, and resources that enabled me to get into my creative career kind of with a lot of tools in my toolbox. So, you know, whether that's discipline, whether that's um, being able to sit down and not stand up until something's finished, whether that's being extremely detail oriented, um, whether that's being able to run a business, you know, like a lot of creative people. I have no idea, no idea at all how to run a business. They just sort of start making their thing and hope things work out. And that's not the way it goes, right? You know, you have to, you have to have 
sort of a global approach to having a creative career. And I think being a lawyer first, uh, and particularly running my own business as a lawyer, gave me a lot of a lot of a lot of skills that have really paid off well. So, um, you know, as far as my parents being annoyed with me, I mean, you know, I I was an attorney for 15 years. Like I I think and and you know clearly I had some chops to do the creative career too because you know I'm doing it now at a, at a pretty high level. So um, I you know hopefully most parents just want their kids to be happy. Uh, you know I think mine did. And, uh, I think they'd be pretty happy with where I ended up. I just think it takes a lot of guts because you, yeah. you know, you, you took a road that a lot of people, even if they wanted to do and had the opportunity to do what you're doing, they wouldn't because they'd say, boy, I worked so hard to get here. Why can I, how would I take this chance? What, you know, I mean, it's, you know, you didn't just work for a law firm. You started a law firm. I mean, so you're a guy yeah. who people were depending on you. You, and, and I just, I just think that's, uh, you know, that's, that's really admirable. And I think there's a lot of people who are playing in bands on the weekend and doodling here and there who are just like, boy, I'd love to do this, but man, I'm so invested in this career. There's no way in hell I can turn back now. They're thinking about, I'm going to make partner. I'm going to be a judge. I'm going to have a yacht, whatever. And, yeah, sure. and, and here well, you are. And, and not only did you take the leap, but you look like you stuck the landing. Well, yeah. I mean, I, again, really lucky, a lot of luck combined with with some pretty focused work over a long period of years. But the thing about that kind of thing is I would never advise anyone to, to blow up their career to just, oh, I'm just going to go be in a band. I'm going to tour in a band. You know, like that's nuts. Right. So and that's not how I did it. I I took, you know, I, I analyzed the business I wanted to be in, which was basically being a writer at that time, because I figured, you know, I love being in bands. I love playing music. But honestly, once you get to a certain point in your life, you're not going to be, you know, touring five nights a week and stuff like that. So I, I realized, but writing is a job you can do for the rest of your life. And so I um, looked at novels. I looked at comics. I looked at sort of all of the different players, how it all worked. And I, and I realized the comics had kind of a, you know, it had a ladder within it. Like you didn't have to risk it all on a project. You could do kind of a small comic and see how it went. Uh, I mean, you could self-finance that comic in a way that like self-financing a film is kind of impossible. I didn't have millions of dollars to spend, but I could come up with, you know, I could scrape together a five-figure number to make a comic book. And so I did that. Um, and I put that out into the world and saw what the reception was and, and looked at, you know, the reaction of other people and other people who are in the industry to that comic. Um, I looked at the reaction of publishers. I looked at the, the um, you know, the commercial reaction to it, which the commercial reaction wasn't much, but I was absolutely nobody at that time. And I was like, you know, okay. Um, and then I started hand-selling that first comic at comic book shows all over the place. Like I would travel around the country and, and network and meet people. And, and at this point, all of the investment was kind of low risk. Like I just did this, you know, basically in my spare time. Um, but it did well enough that I was like, okay, maybe I can take a little, you know, it's like, just like at the, at the blackjack table, you know, you're doing well, you, you maybe up your bet a little bit. So I upped my bet. Um, and that sort of seemed, you know, seemed like it worked well too. And all this time I'm kind of climbing up the ladder of, of the network of the comics business. So more and more people start to know my name. Um, but I will tell you, I did not, like even consider closing my law firm until I had negotiated a, a, an exclusive contract with Marvel to work for them for uh, two years at a, at a, at a compensation level that I felt would be enough of a replacement for my law income that I could scale my law firm back to about 20% of what it was um, and, and still practice and, and keep that, keep that the pilot laid on on the stove, I guess, just in case the comics thing didn't work out. And over those two years, I, 
worked my ass off because I really wanted the creative life while keeping the law thing going. And at the end of those first two years, Marvel offered me the chance to re-up for another two. And I said, yes. And that's when I, I ended up basically, you know, saying I will take no more new business at the law firm. I'm just going to scale off everything else or scale down all the clients I currently have uh, so that I can do this full time and really give it the time and focus that it deserves. And also not like be not focused on my law client because I didn't want to do that either. You don't want to half-ass, um, you know, a, a legal client, an immigration client, because you're too busy writing Wolverine or something like that. So, <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was kind of, you know, you, you start listening to what the world is telling you about the path you want to take, you know? And, and if, if I had done that stuff, you know, done all that writing for, you know, years and nothing had come of it, you know, and I, I, put a couple comics out and no, no one cared. And it was like, okay, fun hobby, buddy. Then I would have stopped. You know, I would, I would be practicing a lot of this day, but the world started to tell me that maybe there's something here and I listened to it and I just doubled down and worked harder. And, and, you know, here I am. Charles, can we get back to this idea? You mentioned several things you learned going through undergrad and grad school, but you mentioned sitting down and, and not standing up until you're done with something as a writer. And uh, that's a very, very difficult thing to do. I think Mike can relate to that. I don't know. Even Mark, maybe when you're writing Christmas, thank you, thank you notes. Uh, it right? <laughs> did was that something that's always been with you, or or did you learn that? Because that is um, that is really really difficult to do. Yeah, it's a it's a skill set. You have to you have to sort of come up with a bunch of mental tricks to force yourself to not stand up until it's done. Uh, and and also, you know, I've got all these maxims I tell myself. One of them is you know you don't have all your good ideas at once. You know, and, and just get through the first draft and just. You know, make sure you feel like whatever goal you set for yourself is realistic and reasonable. So, like, you know, uh, I know my pace these days. I know what I'm capable of. But, like, so I'm not going to say I'm going to write five chapters of a novel in a day. That's stupid. But I might say, oh, I could I could write a rough draft of one chapter in a day or two if things are really happening. Um, and so then, you know, a lot of that is just it's like playing an instrument. You get to understand how how your writing muscles work and what you can actually accomplish. But as far as the discipline of it, like, you just have to make a decision that you want it. And, and you think about the things that distract you from getting it. Think about the things that are in your way, whether that's looking at Twitter on your phone, whether that this is a problem for me sometimes, oh, yeah. whether that is, you know, um, having your phone nearby you at all, whether that's, you know, bumming around on the internet, watching YouTube, whatever those things are playing games, you know, um, you just try to, to, to get all as many of those things out of your, out of your way as possible. Um, and then I do a lot of what I would call pre-work too. So I work a lot in, um, in longhand. So I have a ton of notebooks. I have different notebooks for different projects. And I do a lot of work in those. Like I'll, back when you could go to bars, I would go to the bar a lot and just sit and have a drink and, and work in those. Go to the coffee shop um, when the weather's nice, sit outside. Um, and so that starts to get this like set of ideas in your head. And then when it comes time, time to, to actually sit down and type the stuff and make it good and formal, uh, you've already got a lot of the... Uh, the, the ingredients and the groundwork laid out. So, you know, I feel like that answer is a little vague, but mostly it's just, you know, don't bite off more than you can chew in the beginning and, and like set yourself a goal that you can actually accomplish. Uh, and then really do your goddamnedest to, to accomplish that goal. And once you've done it, you've got this great feeling of, man, I did this thing. Let's see what else I can do. So light of the Jedi is, is the new one. If anybody wants to check out the website too, it's Charles soul and it's S O U L E is, is how it's written. Um, is star Wars the focus now? Do you bounce around to characters? Cause I know you've written for she Hulk and that's going to be a Disney plus. It is. Uh, yeah. I, I know a lot about that show and it's going to be really, really good. I'm excited for that. Um, 
I do bounce around a lot. I am, I'm doing a lot with Star Wars right now. I'm also um, doing some other work for Marvel on some other projects. I have a lot of my own stories. Um, I have, I'm working on my fourth novel right now. Uh, I have two others out that, that I'm, I'm very proud of uh, in addition to Light of the Jedi. Uh, and I have a lot of my own um, like independent comic book series, which, which are basically just think of they're, they're the same as novels that like a Stephen King book, right? except for comics that I put out uh, with, with the artists that I work with who are all really good friends of mine. Uh, and actually, in fact, you mentioned Roy O'Brien to tie it back to the, the, the sponsorship. Um, <laughs> I see he's in St. Clair Shores or that dealership in St. Clair Shores. The, uh, one of the, the new comics I'm working on that will be released later this year um, is set in St. Clair Shores, as a matter of fact. Um, and the, the reason for that in part is that the artist I'm working with is my buddy Ryan Brown. And he grew up in Gross Point, uh, and his mom currently lives in St. Clair Shores. So we have, uh, you know, we have we have hung out at some of the dive bars on St. Clair Shores in the past, and we we figured uh, why not pay homage to those those wonderful establishments. So so a lot of the opening scenes of the book take place in kind of a crappy made up dive bar in St. Clair Shores, which is fun. Well, I think she she Hulk just bought a Ford F three fifty with the dual axle in the back. <laughs> she doesn't need is that. Is that right? Yeah, right? with the king wow. cab because you know she's she's a big girl. Are you trying to do product placement for uh, Disney Plus? Is that what you're trying to do? And you know what makes She Hulk look really good? Altus beer. But we'll talk about them in a minute. <laughs> you, you may need more than a six pack if you're gonna think about taking She Hulk home from one of those dive bars. Did you go to Goodfellas on Harper? Or, wait, wait, wait. Can you name some of the the dives you went? Yeah, I don't remember. They, you know, they all kind of they sort of blur together, especially after you've been there for a little yeah. while. Um, Sabby's uh, maybe, you know, it was, it was like a, a, you know, you get, they had like the, the fish fry, you know, the sure. you know, three ninety nine fish fry and, and a bunch of beers and, you know, just sit there and you kind of, you know, bullshit about whatever, you know, you want to catch up on I me. Mean, you know, I, like I said, I, I, uh, I lived in, in Birmingham and then I also lived in Grand Rapids for a long time growing up. Um, and he was, he was a gross point kid um the whole the whole his whole life and now he lives in chicago so we had a lot of kind of michigan stories to tell and whenever i get back there it's just fun to uh you know i don't know just kind of remember what it was like being being a michigan kid for sure like i, I you know i i've lived in new york for over 20 years but uh i'm i'm back there a lot and uh i miss it you know i, I miss that i haven't been able to come back in a long you know, it's been well over a year since I've been in Michigan, which is a bummer. Well, there's a lot of great dive bars I could take you to, to talk about that last King of Detroit project oh, next no. time you're in town. Because, uh, <laughs> you must get pitched everywhere. Yeah, but I think you, I talk about bite enough more than you can chew. I think you should go. I don't think one graphic novel is enough for that. I think uh, huh. you should you should aim higher. I think you should do multiple volumes. I think you should do a, a, a biopic, a film. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, a hundred installment podcast. You know, just go big. There's a lot of material there. What what happened to not biting off more than you can chew? Are you, this feels like a setup for me here. <laughs> well, look, I think the uh, I think when the subject is is interesting enough and people will be fascinated and you got nothing but time, you know, uh, assuming you don't, you know, I I guess maybe not. If you win that campaign, it sounds like you're in. Maybe maybe you don't have time for this, but uh, you know, if that doesn't work out, this is your this is your fallback. The, I like it. The film industry, the streaming services, they love taking comics and putting them on the screen uh, and, and graphic novels. Is there a graphic novel you've written that you're like, this really should be put to film? This should be seen by the masses? Is there one that's near and dear to your heart? And what's uh, what's the concept? Which one is it? You know, I've been, I've been very fortunate um, that all of my well, almost all of my independent projects have actually been optioned for development in film and TV. So that's my novels, my, my indie comics, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty fantastic. Um, and, and some of them I, I've actually been hired to write the screenplays. So, 
I think the one, and, and I'm, I'm saying, I'm choosing this one because I'm in the middle of it right now, uh, writing the screenplay, and it's, it's challenging, but it's really fun. It's called Undiscovered Country, and it's a story about, um, like, basically, a year or two from now, the United States completely seals its borders, and uh, like North Korea did back in the day. Um, and so no one can come in or out. If you're in, you know, they give like a week's warning, and then they say, if you're in, you're in, and if you're out, you're out. Doesn't matter if you're a citizen, whatever, just completely sealed. And then the United States stays sealed for 30 years. Uh, and then, and so no one has any idea what's happening in here. It's a black box completely. No, no, you know, the outer world has no idea. And so stuff happens, power gets reapportioned, all these different things go on. Um, and then uh, all of a sudden there's basically a, a signal that comes out from the United States, first one in three decades saying, come see what we've done, you know, come see what we are. And so an expedition goes in, crashes uh in sort of the west the american west and has to do sort of an expedition through the the vastly changed america to see what's happened in those past 30 years and so that's called undiscovered country and it's it's very much like kind of a road movie through a uh, a very very different version of america that's really fun just to kind of see what's happened to it and and i i co-write it with uh, a good friend of mine named scott snyder who's also a very yeah. well-known comic guy oh, yeah. Um, and, and it's drawn by our friend Giuseppe Camoncoli, who's Italian, which is kind of neat because he has a different perspective on America. So when you're writing a screenplay, say for mm -hmm. Undiscovered Country, do you have an actor or an actress in mind for a character or do you try not to do that? We in, in I don't always do it, but for Undiscovered Country, my co-writer Scott and I did um, because we wanted to make sure that we had we both had the same kind of you know, like directional heading on the compass for how we were writing these characters, because the way we're doing it is kind of splitting up scenes. So he might be writing a scene uh, with, with these characters. And then I write one that's said a little bit later, but if I, my feeling about how they are is different than his, it, it's not going to line up. So, so when we started, we, we sort of fan cast the whole thing and uh, said, okay, this is what this person feels like. This is what this person looks like even so that we could, we could kind of write to them. Um, but I don't always, because you can kind of, you know, you can get your hopes up almost. And then uh, if it doesn't work out, you can be disappointed. I kind of, you know, casting is a really challenging thing. And I kind of leave that to the professionals. My job's just the story. Well, She-Hulk, I got to, or She-Hulk, um, watching the trailer, they definitely nailed the casting with, um, and I forget her name, Tatiana. Tatiana Maslany. Yeah, oh, yeah. She's, she's so good. She is great. She's going to be really, really good for it. Is she green? Well, when she's She-Hulk, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't watch the, a lot of cable. But <laughs> you don't watch any the, cable. <laughs> the thing about her is that she's a lawyer, you know, uh, and so when she's lawyering, sometimes she looks kind of like you know herself. She looks just like a you know like a person, and then sometimes she looks like uh, she looks the, like the six foot tall green version. It's it's fun. So does she ever ask the judge for permission to treat a witness as a hostile witness and just say She-Hulk smash and then? <laughs> You know, I never wrote that when I wrote She-Hulk, but I guarantee some comic book writers have. Okay. Well, we're here to help, Charles. You got to be running out of ideas with all these different projects going on. I mean, do, do you ever, so I imagine you have a lot of things going on simultaneously. Do you ever get to a point where, where the, the, instead of these, these being threads, it becomes like a ball of yarn and you, you have trouble, you know, picking up where you left off or keeping things straight or, or one sort yeah. of conflates where you like, uh, well then here, here's where, uh, here's where Yoda turns green and, you know, mm -hmm. and, and crushes and the prosecutor, yeah. you know I mean? It's like, well, no, no, that's the different Yoda. That's, uh, <laughs> that's Yoda Esquire. I, 
I go through phases. Sometimes I'm working on a million things at once. That's how it is right now. Actually, it's it's kind of a pain. But I, I mentioned I use all those notebooks. So I, I keep my projects separate so that if I pick up the green notebook, that's because I'm working on She-Hulk or whatever. Um, if I if it's the red book, it's Daredevil, whatever. Um, if it's got a lightsaber on it, it's Star Wars. So so that helps a little bit. I also try not to mix days if I can. So maybe Mondays for Star Wars, Tuesdays for, for comics, something else. Um, but it does get complicated. I, you know, I'm, I'm on like, I don't know, six or seven different discrete projects right now and, and shifting gears between them is, is hard. Um, and, and it's a skill set that is one of those other ones that I, that I didn't develop from lawyering. I just sort of developed because I didn't have a choice when you're, when you start writing in comics, they, they tend to put you on a lot of books at once. Uh, at one point I was writing eight titles a month and, uh, so bouncing between all that is, is a real mental workout. Um, but you learn how to do it, and then you can kind of always do it. Uh, I don't love it. I kind of prefer to work on one thing at a time if I can, but that's just not where my career is right now. And I, I just, I'm fortunate to have all these opportunities, and I kind of you know, didn't want to say no. And I, you know, I got to say also COVID has not helped. Like the pandemic and kind of all the weird anxiety and stress and just thinking about everything, you got to put a mask on, you know, to do the most basic things, which I fully support and think is wonderful. And I think I'm glad we did it. I think it's the right thing, but you know, there's just another level of logistics to just mm-hmm. being alive. That is, uh, makes it harder to get down to the deep places where the good work comes from. So, you know, it's, it hasn't been the easiest year writing wise, but I've gotten a lot of stuff done and, and hopefully that'll just continue. And do you have any outtakes where you, you had plot twists or characters that you would never want to see the light of day, but someday we may see, you know, the, the Charles soul, uh, cutting room floor where there's, you know, um, uh, I, I don't know, so, some, some character or some, some story where you're like, eh, it didn't quite work out or I don't know if the public's yeah. ready for it yet, but, or do you just, is that just become a new comic where it's like, uh, here's no, super, I, I mean, look, super I, freak show seven of those things, you know, and, and I've got a, I've got a, a, a file on my hard drive that is specifically for those that I, I look at every once in a while when I need a little something, if I'm looking something to kickstart a project or like, I wonder what's in there. Maybe there's an idea that's worth pursuing. Uh, I also have a full completed novel. Uh, the first novel I wrote, which I started right after I graduated from law school um, and attempted to sell. And it did, it, it got close to selling, but didn't sell. And so I was discouraged. I know the feeling. And that's kind of what pushed me toward comics. But so that's just sitting on my hard drive and someday I could do something with it. But um, you know, as of now, it's, it's kind of like there's this term in writing called juvenilia or juvenilia, uh, which is basically a lot, of, a lot of successful novelists have a first novel in a drawer because they wrote it to get their first bad novel out of the way. And, <laughs> and they don't really want to have it published because it's just going to sort of, you know, take away the, uh, you know, something I wrote when I wasn't as good as I am now. I don't know if I want to be held up against the things that I write now. You know, I mean, the last right. thing I wrote. You know, again, to say it again, debuted at number one on the New York Times bestseller list, right? Like, I don't know if I want to put up something I wrote 20 years ago um, and have it held up against that. So if I ever did, I would go back in and heavily revise it and rewrite it and polish it up. But, um, you know, those are also ideas that I cared about 20 years ago. Maybe I don't care about them as much anymore. Well, Charles, I, I really appreciate your interest, but I think you're just way too busy to do this last King of Detroit project. With me. Um, I mean, yeah, we, we can, know, we can want, talk about to... it next time we're in town, but you're going to have to buy. That's just the deal. Okay. So anyways, the opportunity though. I appreciate yeah. the offer. You know, it's always nice to be wanted. You know, it's, it's, I didn't mess around with some juvenilia thing. This thing is a gem on the first crack, but, uh, but you know, maybe I'll cut you in on it when next time you're in town. Um, 
So, Charles, thanks for taking. Tell us, tell us uh, where people can find. I mean, your stuff's all over the place. But is there one sort of uh, if you want to uh, if you want to get caught up on Charles Soul, start here and then sort of follow uh, follow the tentacles. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the best thing to do. Uh, I have a website that has a pretty robust list of my my stuff, um, and it has a store where you can buy a bunch of different things, including signed copies of my work, whatever. So that's just charlessoul.com, Charles S O U L E dot com. I'm also very active on Twitter, which is also just my name, Charles Soul, um, and and I have a newsletter that goes out monthly uh, that you can sign up for on my website. So those are really the easiest ways to find me. Um, you know, when the world opens up again, I'll hopefully be at shows and stuff like that again. But but just for now, I would say hit the website, charlesoul.com or, or find me on Twitter. Well, Charles, we appreciate you making the time to join sure. us. Uh, you know, maybe I, I don't want to be too hasty. Like, we'll, we'll talk about this last King of Detroit thing. I, I don't want to <laughs> I, I don't want to I don't want to break anybody's hearts or crush. It's any got dreams. legs, man. I think that's that's a story that oh, if don't you tell don't tell that. it, somebody's going to. So you got you should get in there. I'm thinking multi-platform. Don't I, tell them that. Yeah. Even, I've, I've been even putting little parts of it in fortune cookies, so I'm not I'm not ruling anything out. But uh, but Charles, it's been great having you on. Hopefully, we'll we'll have you on again. Maybe uh, next time you go to Lucas Ranch, you can do a plus one. Let us know. It's all about you. Sure, that's what I'll do. It's reported. they're real. They're very cool about that stuff. They're, they're, <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I, I promise. About it. <laughs> I, I promise not to mention Jar Jar Binks when I go. So, uh, so we'll be good. But, uh, but Charles, thanks again. Uh, soul on Soul, uh, Charles Soul on the Soul of Detroit doesn't get much better than that. Uh, and uh, do we have anything? Probably not for for Charles, but maybe for a relative of his who made this happen. All guests of Harriot ML Sola Detroit receive a 12-pack of Altus Lager. Oh, he loves beer. Next time you're in town, we'll save some of those for you, Charles. But thanks thanks Appreciate again it. for coming on the show, and, and we'll look forward right, to thanks. I guess seeing you Take everywhere. You guys. I mean, Have a good one. All right. Appreciate Bye-bye. it. This dude's a man. Oh, man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek, or we're turning into cool guys? So for those of you who aren't comic book writers, novelists, musicians, attorneys, writing screenplays, I forgot about that before, having number one bestsellers, but you would still like a cold Altus, you can get one at, uh, well, all kinds of great stores around. Uh, it's the Detroit original that is back. It's locally brewed and owned. It's the original Detroit lager. It was gone for quite a while, but it came back. And you know what it brought back with it? What? Flavor. Oh, I love flavor. So get some yourself. It's on tap at local bars. Uh, get out there uh, when you can. It's also on the shelves at your at your neighborhood store. And if you're not sure whether uh, it's at your neighborhood store, it's nearby. Go to Altis, A-L-T-E-S, or Altis, some people say, dot beer, and find out where you can get one. Uh, Altis beer. It's a do-anything, anytime with anyone beer. Nice. Um. Damn, I, I, uh, there was, uh, you're, what, you're you upset you didn't sell your book? No, it's not that he's upset. No, 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 I, are you kidding? You pushed it. That guy no, was dying. You're, you're spinning a little bit because, no, I, I just can't believe that, that was what you wanted, right? No, no, Charles was <laughs> so interested kind of... in this project. I'm sitting here thinking, I think, I think we might, we may have the dream team. No, the no only... but you wanted to do eight things at once and have them all be. Living a life. I told in you he's jealous of his career, and I am too. I would love Actually, to. Actually, I, 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 to be that. I wanted to do twelve thing at once and just have one of them work out. I, I was going to say he I tries to do twelve oh, things at once. Everything you've done, you've done just. Uh, you've done. 
a good job, man. Come on. Don't sell yourself short. By the way, <laughs> he's not like a... This is uh, the setup. This is the rope-a-dope. Where's no, the- no, no, no. There's no setup here. It's the ultimate Sean just to shit on you and then go, no, no. So you're great. I'm not shit. No, why? Because I, I like his skinny tie? Oh, it's tie. just how, it's just how you are. Yeah. Like his skinny tie? I don't remember this, Sean. That a little time away has done one. <laughs> it's like when Stephen A. Smith uh, famously said about Kwame Brown, no disrespect. No, he said he can't play. He's a bona fide scrub. No disrespect. <laughs> Whenever anybody says no disrespect, it's full of disrespect. Oh, no, a- absolutely. No, I was going to say real quickly, he, he didn't come across as a writer to me, but rather a, a builder or um, an engineer or somebody that just lays out the plans and I'm going to go A, B, C, D. I mean, and that kind of discipline and dedication is – there are plenty of writers that have that. Yeah. But there are plenty of writers Well, and he's a uh, fan, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, no, he's uh, very methodical. Stand up every five minutes and walk outside and think, what the fuck am I doing? I I suck. <laughs> yeah. I'm terrible. I'm yeah, awful. No. Why am I writing? He's, you know. he's not a thrasher. And I do think that the legal training where, you know, lawsuits and criminal and civil uh, legal matters take forever to go through. So you do have to be able to start something, put it down, pick up something else that's progressing. We can manage those different, you know, it's almost like uh, like running a train yard where, okay, this one, the 506 is coming. We got to put them on this track. We got to do that. And you, where you have to be a station master but the the thing that's amazing is while you have that ability to manage all those different things which is a very very sort of type a right brain thing you also have the left brain thing to be so creative and to do that stuff i mean what does uh daredevil have to do with wolverine have to do with star wars have to do with you know i mean that's it's uh you know, it must be it must be very tempting when you're writing comics and things like that to do that deus ex machina where you're like, where does the story go? It's like then a lightning bolt hit yeah. and it turns out he could fly. You know that those stories would suck. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's pretty cool. But you're right, the crossover between the right brain, left brain. I mean, you know, Mitch Albom's got a little bit of that if we're if we're being honest, right? He, yeah. he used to talk about getting up at six a.m. and this is how much time I'm going to spend working on my nonfiction stuff. Or excuse me, my fiction stuff, and then I'm going to move to this, and then this, and then this, and it's just it's just interesting. I don't think it's a coincidence that people that are that successful in that way regiment themselves. I mean, right? It's yeah, no. I mean, to, in order to get stuff done, um, to get a lot of stuff done, you do have to sort of have a plan, you know, you- and stick and the ability to stick to it. You say maybe the law school training. I think maybe you're you're drawn to that. My guess is he didn't learn how to be that way at 22. Yeah, he probably well, no, had some, yeah. he probably had some of that in him at eight. Well, yeah, like he said, he's a historian of the comics, so. right? Exactly. So that's really cool. Uh, if you are successful and you want to grow your money, call our buddy uh, Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Well two four eight six six three forty seven forty eight. He's going to give you rational financial advice, tell you how to keep that money growing. What does it mean now? What's going on six months from now? Stocks, bonds, four hundred one k's, five twenty nines, all that stuff that's way over your head. Get advice. Get a strategy. Call Luke. No wacky pinnacle well two four eight six six three forty seven forty eight. Uh because when you call that number, Luke will make it all about you, sweetheart. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member FINRASIPC. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, and services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Yeah. Can we he'll make it all about you, She Hulk. No?
No. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, when Should've stopped while you were behind. When uh, yeah, I know. Well, I'll never catch up. I'm still reeling because I'm like, well, what? So yeah, I know. So I can Charles, see it. Charles' soul is. I'm reeling because of your description of he doesn't thrash. Charles' soul is doing all this stuff, and I'm just like, I got this. Dude, you're a journalist. You're running a campaign. He's fishing, He's fishing for these, Sean. Don't you know what I mean? Don't. Well, I you will know say, more about new wave music for than compliments. anybody else in the, the planet? Anybody else in the room. And that's only because Drew's upstairs. But no, I, I when he was talking You're about- You're wearing a Rico Kasich tie? I, I, <laughs> let's get a little skull and crossbones. But I, I, um, I was so uh, eager when he uh, mentioned Yoda, because uh, it got me thinking about baby Yoda, and it got me thinking about our Geek of the Week- Oh. Which is a guy, and I don't want to. I don't want to give his name out because he's shit up there. But he's only been charged. He's only been charged too. with a crime. That's so a totally he, ridiculous jump. He's not. He's not guilty. So I don't want to. I don't want to use his last name. But let's just say it rhymes with Van Lubin, which may have been what he was doing uh, when he was doing. Did the you home write inspection. that? I'm sorry to interrupt. Did you write that, Van Lubin? Did you actually write that down? I, of course, I, I, okay, I. That's a little Sulian. Sulian. I, I wrote it while I was sitting down. <laughs> I sat down the whole time. Um, there I'm afraid. Go. There you go. If I tried to do as much as Charles while I was sitting, I'd probably wet myself because I'm going to have to stand up. That's what the pens are for, baby. I guess so. Uh, unless you're like a bitter astronaut trying to go get your rival. Although I'm told that she didn't really wear depends. That's a that's a different story. That's I a, guess that's a different. That's story. a uh, that's a uh, sure a urinary control device. It depends are nice though, Inter, right? Intergalactic I mean, myth because it's warm for a minute, and that's probably a lovely feeling. So Van Lubin, um, yeah, boy, tell we, me about Van Lubin, your geek of the week. We're so distracted. I, I had a real quick close to this, and now it's going to feel. <laughs> Anyways, I had uh, to explain. He, by the way, I had to explain this story, which you're about to tell yeah. to my seven year old. <laughs> By oh, really? Not, by not explaining it, because she saw the, the the picture in the news story. He's like, what's that guy doing? So go ahead. And- yeah, that's one of those things where you say, uh, so, you know, when my when my daughters learn to drive, because we live in Detroit, and sometimes people don't uh, respect the traffic control devices, I said, "What what's the most important thing you do when the light turns red? They say, we go forward. I say, no, no, I'm going to tell you what they didn't teach in class. You count to three, because people run through those lights. So you want to count to three before you move forward. The lesson for uh, for Mark's kids are when you pick up the Sesame Street toy, you inspect it closely oh, because there's a gentleman uh, from Clarkson, a home inspector, who was caught on a camera that uh, I think the media um, uh, very uh, uh, quaintly put it, uh, pleasured himself with an Elmo doll. So uh, Tickle Me Elmo is a, uh, a popular and respected toy uh pleasure yourself with some strangers elmo is not and that's why guy whose name sounds like van lubin you are our geek of the week <laughs> took a long time to get there i guess so hey. yeah garden variety creeper zodiac spanker i mean and everybody has their own thing just do it in your own spot right i mean and you're okay Miss Piggy is jealous, I guess. I mean, we've talked about this before. People dress up as six foot tall bunnies. Oh, furries! Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm not, I'm not here to judge any of that. No, I'm judging it in some. I'm not saying you guys are. I'm just saying if you stay at home and do your thing and nobody else is involved, what's the problem? Oh, there's no problem. I'll still judge it. It's weird. Who's what if you like to say a J.C. Penney catalog? You know what I mean? That's weird. I'm not going to so judge like you. George cool. Costanza with the uh, so weird. was a glamour magazine. Yeah. 
No, no, no. I'm, I'm more just of an saying, AARP my man myself. <laughs> <laughs> National long Geographic. As, yeah. as long as you don't harm anybody else, who are we to judge? I'm just saying. Well, we will judge, but it's fine. Use your own uh, Sesame Street uh, plush. That's all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, you can make the trip to Toys R Us on your own. It's yeah. still weird, though. I'll judge you. Yeah. This guy's uh, fine. Fact, I don't care. It's weird. Somewhere I, in the. I just. I just figure most people have proclivities they would never, ever want to share with anyone and keep that stuff to yourself. You know what I mean? I just. So yeah. I'm waiting for Try somebody. Not even to imagine. I'm waiting for somebody more clever than me to come up with a Nookie Monster reference. But uh, <laughs> but uh, that person, I think that person hung up 10 minutes ago and is glad to be away from the scene of this crime. But, By the uh, way, you're dressed for our next segment. So go ahead. Oh, yes. So we are we are in room 7609. Um, it's great to be back in the new wave suite. And we are here because I was listening to the Drew and Mike podcast as hundreds of thousands of people do. Uh, the difference between the Drew and Mike podcast and the soul of Detroit podcast is thousands of people listen to this (laughs) podcast, but Mark said something that shocked me. He had no idea who Yazoo is, but, but Mark, you've heard Yazoo. You heard Vince Clark from Erasure. Uh, perform in Room 7609. You also heard him doing our Christmas music special, and you also heard Alison Moyer, who was the Chanteuse with Yazoo, sing in our Christmas special. I'm pretty sure we've used her before. In Europe, they're known as Yazoo because of some copyright issues and whatever and some other bands. Uh, in America, they're known as Yaz. But they actually are here in the new rave suite to talk about something that happens every time somebody calls us. I think we experienced it today. It's a little ditty called... Bad connection. Morning, this morning, the curtains are shut. I'll bring you in the morning, but the phone's been cut. Can you hear me? I've been calling all day. Can you hear me? Oh, can you hear me? The radio reporter said the line's all dead. They told me that I ought to write a letter instead. Can you hear me? I've been calling all day. 
So this album, uh, young Alison Moyet hooks up with uh, Vince Clark, who had just uh, started with Depeche Mode, wrote some of their big hits off the first album, bails on Depeche Mode, gets together with Alison Moyet. They, uh, they kind of knew each other. He answered an ad that she had put looking for uh, a partner. Uh, he was the only guy who answered the ad, and it worked out pretty well with her only choice. But they never really had much of a relationship. And so after the first album, Vince Clark is like, okay, next. Alison Moy is like, no, no, we got something good going. We, we sold a lot of records. People are digging it. What comes next? Clark wants to move on. The record executives say, here's a deal, bucko. Uh, big hit with uh, Depeche Mode after one album, you jet. Uh, doing great with Yazoo after one album, you want to jet. That is going to hurt your reputation. So after Upstairs at Eric's, they stick around and they do another album, but then they kind of drift their own ways. But in, when you listen to this, this is the classic new wave synth band. And it's, um, it's, it, this is one of the more... It sounded like a video game that I've played before. Yeah, and they have some sort of weird uh, tunes on there too that are a little was, bit on the concept end. But was I supposed to know that song? You ha- no, but you you do know Yazoo because you've heard I "Don't Go," you've heard "Situation," you have heard. Now you don't may go. you may have gotten confused. Don't that probably doesn't help you recognize it, but uh, <laughs> but maybe it's it. because you didn't realize Yaz was Yazoo. But everybody who has ever gone to a club has heard situation or don't go and you know them. And I was surprised to hear you say that. And, and I know I'm not, maybe he didn't go to clubs. I'm not being a jerk. I really don't know it. You lived in, in Albert nectarine ballroom. Absolutely. They would have been playing that on a regular basis. Well, maybe in the early eighties, the, ne- the necto as it's called. Now, by the way, I have a question. Why am I the only one under a light in here? And I happen to be the only one without hair. It's not a light. That's, that's, that's that heaven God? shining down on you. Yeah, is that what that is? Yeah. Don't worry, nobody can another, see it. Another little thing that... I noticed, by the way, is of the four people at one point that were on this podcast earlier today, I was the only one without neatly trimmed facial hair and product. Um, well, it's... Are you the proud hair, of that? Which or... I don't have. No, I don't have any hair to put any product in. Well, you did saying, get a haircut. There's a correlation between a little bit of polish and a little bit of uh, hard work. You know what I mean? You did get a haircut, though, I can tell. Well, so Barely. basically, yeah. basically, I did, Sean, Oh, yeah, I've been here in a month. That's true. Unlike the rest of us, you won't be looking for a super cool haircut from a super cool place. I don't have any haircut, but go ahead and uh, plug this beautiful. Well, I'm sure Lady Jane's. You got to at Lady Jane's, right? Yeah, I think I think they could. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, they made you look and feel like the king that you are, Sean. Mm. Uh, you can get to Lady Jane's. There's a new one in Grand Blank on Saginaw Road, just south of Hill Road, next to AutoZone. You can let one of their talented stylists. They're all over the place. They can give you an award-winning haircut invigorating shampoo, hot lather neck shave, uh, the hot towel treatment for just about 16 bucks. Pretty good. Don't procrastinate. Keep your hair looking its best. Go to Lady Jane's Haircuts for Men today, the new one on Saginaw uh, Road, just south of Hill Road next to AutoZone. Lady Jane's in Grand Blank. It's wicked awesome. Of course, you can go online and see where all their locations are. Yeah, so they can- Wait, pretty good. 16 bucks. That's great, man. Come I on. know. It's fantastic. It's unbelievable. 16 bucks. Yeah, now, now you look and feel like a king. Now, I, King Sean, yeah, you're going to have to cut out your hundred dollar haircuts now as a councilman <laughs> and get down to sixteen dollars yourself, the, right? The John Edwards, yeah, yeah, we won't be doing uh, that. No, exactly. That, but I was thinking more of Pelosi, but uh. <laughs> I, I respect the COVID protocols. Talking about the hair thing, though, um, one of the most interesting conversations I ever sat in on 
in my journalism career was between uh, David Gilkey, the late great photographer from the Detroit Free Press, and Mayor Archer, who had just left office and was just uh, chosen as the first black president of the American Bar Association. I was doing a story about that for the National Law Journal, and, and, and I did something for the Free Press, too. But while we were settling in, Gilkey was shooting it for the Free Press, and he and and Archer, who were both uh, famously uh, bald-headed, were discussing how they kept their pate looking so good. And I think Archer told Gilkey that his secret was witch hazel. <laughs> he would rub witch hazel on his dome, which wait, kept wait, it wait, clean wait, and hemorrhoids smooth up there? and Isn't shiny. Hemorrhoids, witch hazel? What about uh, what was Gilkey's secret? He, now he was glad to hear it. I think, razor. I think Gilkey's secret was wearing a helmet and you know taking night vision photography yeah. in war zones. I mean, I think uh, the NPR put out a book, by the way, that came out a, a collection of his stuff. I wish I could remember the, remember the name of it because it's it's beautiful and I we yeah. got it at home. Well, we'll put a link to it on our yeah, website, we uh, Soul of ML Soul of Detroit dot com. When when people talk about the media being the enemy of the people, I think about a guy like David Gilkey who fearlessly went to war time and time again in the midst of the battle to bring the story home to those of us who uh, needed to know what was going on, but couldn't be there, shouldn't be there, didn't want to be there. And he was killed doing the job. Uh, and, um, and when you talk about the media being the enemy of the people, um, you know, uh, look up David Gilkey and then, uh, and then, then, then apologize. And the book is pictures on the radio. Thank you, Mark. Yes. Pictures on the radio. So, so, anyways, that is uh, yes. And he didn't have to beg Charles Soul to get it done either. Well, it's maybe oh, it's because a picture book is. <laughs> oh, let's, let's, really? Let's, oh, listen, okay. Listen, Charles has got a full plate. Let's let's not overtax him with this this last king of Detroit. He's already talking about multi platforms. I mean, let's. He's, he's oh, he fo- was okay. He's a focus. Yeah, he's he's focused. Unlike me. Yeah. <laughs> No, you're not even Ford focused. No, no, I'm. Last night, can I say this yeah, real quickly? You can say anything you want. Yeah, last night. What happened? Th- th- just, just to show the contrast here between all of you guys and your professional lives and your, your dedication and your discipline and your, um, your stick to itiveness. How about that? Sure. I'm in. I'm in a Rite Aid. I'd went. I'd gone. Let's just say this: I'd gone to get a salad for a family member, and I'm coming back. And I'm going to watch a little show. No so ice I, cream. I stop. No, I stop at a Rite Aid. But I, no one got I needed, high. I needed a, a little. A far, uh, you know, a product there, and I see some milk duds. Wait, was it witch hazel? <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't witch hazel. So I see some milk duds. So I get yes. some milk duds. I had been into the Rite Aid in a while, and I walk up to the counter, and the the lady says to me, "Oh, you're the milk dud guy." <laughs> what does that and mean? And I said, "What do you mean?" And she said, "And you haven't been in here in a while. Are you getting your milk duds someplace else?" She asked what? me, that. "Are you getting your milk Wait, duds someplace else?" Is she confusing you with somebody else, or have you gone and gotten that many milk duds from Rite Aid? I realized I'd gone and gotten that many milk duds. From really? Rite Aid. So this is my life, ladies and gentlemen. It's uh, <laughs> how I, many, look, how I've, many milk it's, duds it's have the, you got? It's the pandemic. One of my favorite things to do in a normal life is to go to a movie theater and get a little popcorn, and I eat milk duds with it. <laughs> so we've tried to recreate that at home. How, we make the popcorn. How bad is it? Get a milk dud. But the fact that somebody thought I was a like like you're going into a coffee shop and getting a tuna sandwich every day, and you you're a regular, and the tuna sandwich just gets set down on the counter. That's well, how yeah. I was treated at Rite Aid last night. It's oh, nice. you're the and then I got accused of two timing Rite Aid. Are you getting your milk done someplace else? Wow, how <laughs> pathetic! No, am they I? care about their customer. They want you to keep coming back. But now, I, that's pretty. And then bad. she tried to say, "Well, she was a sugar daddy." 
what? person herself. Oh, oh okay. yeah, yeah, not a, okay. And she wasn't hitting on you with that. No, but maybe that, taking that's, a different that's turn. That's yeah. tales in my uh, sad little life. <laughs> well, so just now, wait. The question is: Are you going to avoid that now because you don't want to be known? Because I've become a regular yes. in a pharmacy yes. for milk duds. Yes. Now I've heard you called go another place before, but I don't think it had anything to do with your <laughs> confectionery choices. Oh, I just uh, so I, I, I walked out last night. Of course, so the parking sad. lot's empty. It's dark, and I'm just like. What the heck? What? Oh, oh, okay. It's better than being called Mr. Snowcap. I mean, I, yeah, hell eats those. Could be, you could be Mr. Witch Hazel. Because I mean, but how can you be known for getting a you know a club sandwich or a bowl of turkey chili or or how about Mr. Or somebody that likes their eggs over I'd easy be, or I'd rather be milk dud guy than or poached turkey salad guy. You know. Yeah. I I, I, uh... I mean, y'all have ever been regulars anywhere at all? Well, you, uh, oh, you, you, yeah. know, you know, Mike, because you don't pay to eat out. But how about you, Mark? You oh, know? sure. Without a doubt. I eat a lot of brand. I'm, I'm regular everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, not a problem. The 7-Eleven, by the way, you know, they know you, but not keto what guy. I, what right? I you get. walk yeah. up and they hand you a jewel without you asking. A <laughs> jewel, yeah, right. No, you're That's funny. I can't believe you remember that. Yeah, I used to get a ton of taquitos there. That's That's been done. <laughs> oh, no, you're the, the taquito guy. Uh, that right. was the career-ending guilty pleasure show. How could I ever forget? <laughs> the Mr. Kebab, the uh, restaurant and gas station. They know me there. Because I order from there so much. Oh, nice. Okay, I love I it. I feel a little better. Oh, you're right. It's I'm not a milk tongue. Yeah. Eating from a gas station, Lord. <laughs> oh my God, it's the best food. What taquitos? No, the um, cheese dogs. Uh, Mr. Kebab, gas station cuisine. Yeah. Damn. Oh, nice. Love them. Okay. There's well, a there's a great barbecue place in Kansas City that serves out of a gas station. See? Oklahoma Joe's. But that's a big that's a big Joe's. thing for um, Oklahoma's Joe's in Kansas City. A- yeah, I know, I know. It's actually. In uh, whatever the city is, it's in it's in Kansas. It's not Kansas City. It's oh no, it's Kansas City, Kansas. Right? There's a smaller version of that. Sorry, Oleathi, perhaps. Oh, now you're showing off. Look at that, and you even pronounce it like the local. Oh, look how proud he is. I know. Ah, uh, those of you on Facebook are missing it because we cut you off a while ago. He is just, so proud of himself. We're just with our good friends who get the full audio download. All you Facebook Facebook Live listeners, you missed the full audio uh, version of the show. Anyway, that was when the, Sean really shines. That was the anti-Charles Soul story. I mean, right? I'm just showing my. Mr. Milk you, you sat down. That could be a superhero. My patheticness. What's that? Okay. Which you, isn't you even a word. You sat down while you hold. While you told it. And oh yeah. Kind yeah. of had a, a he Hulk feel. Yeah, I write two sentences and then I go, go go look for a gun and then I come back. I can't find one because you know I'm in Ann Arbor and then I write a couple sentences more. Well, they, got, they, got, they got kind of dark. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, uh, he said, desperately seeking a way out of this situation. If you would care to support the show. Uh, you can send us a nomination for room 7609 at mlsoulofdetroit at gmail.com. You can call and leave a message for us at 313-288-9070. That's Butterfield 89070. You can donate like uh, Dave did, who sent us a double sawbuck and said, loved the Mort Krim interview. So if you missed last week's episode, there's still time to listen to it and all of our past episodes. But Mort was great on the show. Um, he told some different stories, and you may have heard on other shows, although he was great on Drew and Mike as well, although uh, he felt a little stiff on Drew and Mike to me. What? I think it's your interviewing skills. No, your no, technique. no. I mean, 
I think I think you guys were having a lot of fun with him, and he was kind of retreating into professional mort as opposed to you know like the the long story about trying to land the plane where Drew's like, "Hey, kind of crazy with the plane." He's like, "Well, you know, when you have the flaps down, you want to make sure that you're checking your altimeter." And that's why he's a tough interview because you don't know where that sense of humor. He does have that voice. Is, is, yeah, he can, he can be playful, but he can also be very uh, very dry. Very dry, but um, but we do appreciate. It's funny here. Remember the laughing hyenas and everybody who supports us uh, here. Uh, Mark, how do people support us with giving us money? They just sort of. It's really easy. MLSolarDetroit.com donate button. Pound it. Bang! It's that hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can also please make sure you let our sponsors know uh, that they're not wasting their time or their money advertising with us, like uh, Red Shovel Network wide sponsor David Hall who is helping people save money by lowering their uh, their mortgage payments. You can refinance with Hall Financial. They are still getting people deals in the 2% range. When you refinance with Hall, you save a couple payments as the paperwork is being processed, and then you save every single month because you get that new lower rate. Um, if you want to uh, find out how to take advantage of this great uh, deal, go to our website where you'll find a link to their website or give them a call at 248-308-5000. That's 248 To make sure to tell them that ML sent you and ML S1467435. Thank you, David Hall. Thank you. I don't normally comment on the commercials, Mort. but that commercial makes me just a little horny. Well, it's, uh, saving money is sexy. It's all our sponsors will save you money and they'll make you sexy and you won't have to mess with people's toys when you go to their houses like certain geeks we know. You can also support the show geeks by... Geeks probably not the word, but go ahead. Uh, well, uh, yeah, well, That's geek, probably a little light. A geek technically is someone who bites the head off a chicken. but um, Not Elmo? <laughs> no. Um, anyway, uh, or Big Bird. didn't bite the head. Or Big Bird. Um, you can get hoodies like, like Sean's wearing, uh, our long sleeve t-shirts and beanies, all this great stuff, hats, masks, gaiters, keychains, t-shirts, hockey jerseys, stickers, and of course, signed Kwame Sutras and super groovy neon clocks. And coming up is our 100th anniversary show in a couple weeks. We're going to have a oh, very, yeah. very special, super cool product that will be... Well, I don't I just check it out. You're gonna love it. Um, we had a lot of feedback, but we are running long, so we will get to your feedback next week. Um, and uh, and we've learned over the last couple of weeks we have to be careful about trying to accommodate Sean. Um, Matt had a special McRib joke that I thought would be a, just a natural for Sean, but Sean had already dropped out of the show because he was on a call, and I think he may have actually been. Eating he was hurt. He was hurt. No. Well, what do you mean accommodating? Careful about accommodating me. Just, I don't, there was I don't a McRib joke, any, and I said McRib. I don't need this any is this is Sean's gonna. And then last week we found two excuses to work the Bee Gees into the show. And we thought, <laughs> oh, Sean is gonna go crazy in room seven six and nine talking about the Bee Gees and all his knowledge of the Bee Gees. And Sean's like, uh, gotta go. <laughs> Perhaps he went to oh, Massachusetts. So last week it was Casey Mize's debut in front of fans, right? Yeah. That I had to get to. And then uh, the week before, was it Indianapolis yep. or something? Yep, the yep. tournament. Mm-hmm. Actually, the couple of weeks before, right? Because yep. I haven't been in here in a while. A, very, a fascinating travelogue going through Indiana. It was very good. <laughs> that was, that was fun. Yeah, it like was that. Indy's a sleepy little town, yeah. but... Uh, but anyway, but so yeah, it's Ka- a fun place. Casey Mize is going to pitch, I don't know what, 20, 30 times this year. We're only going to have Bee Gees in room 769. <laughs> I know. By the way, my, not that this is a sports podcast, but Mize uh, was was really good last night. Okay. Yeah. And Mantha, I really liked your column on Mantha. Uh, t- tell me a little bit about uh, about Iserman and the way he thinks, because you, I remember, had an interview with him just before he retired, 
And it was... It was that was a not, long time ago. It was not an easy get, but you got it. He's... Yeah, he's got a sort of an intensity about him, right? Yeah. And um, and, I, and I'm sure, so this was, what, 15, 16 years ago, and I'm sure he's changed a little bit, and he was still playing then, and you get into the front office, and you you have to adapt and so so forth. But you're, you're just speaking about what happened with the trade the other day with Anthony right, but Anthony? I mean, when he was retiring, that's sometimes that's the opportunity for people to be uh, introspective. Oh, but he to, he wasn't but he exactly. Was just, he was like, I got fifteen minutes for you, dude. I'll answer your. I mean, but he didn't retire, so we did that because we we knew there was a potential of a lockout, and he might call it a career. And I don't think he did, right? Didn't he come back? Uh, oh, I'm, I, I'm almost positive he did. I think we set that up because we thought there was a good chance. I thought they thought you thought he was going to get flushed in the playoffs because the wings were kind of on the wing. Maybe it was, but I thought he played after that. But no, but he he wasn't. Was he even that um, introspective with me? I don't remember no, that being no, a great interview. I mean, interview. it was one of those things where this is a chance where sometimes. Even the uptight people will take a look back and say something. And he, he was, no, he didn't at all. And I did always it. been up. I, that was a, I pulled an Elric on that story in terms of how I structured the reporting. It was that good a story? <laughs> well, it wasn't. I'm saying the reporting. Oh. I've traveled. This is back when newspapers had more money. I travel all over the country with the team to sort of watch, interview um, people around them. I hung, spent some time with his brother who was up in Ontario. That's where I got all the information from people around him. And then I finished with him and. I got him for six, seven minutes in the locker room, and he yeah. didn't want to make eye contact. And and now, all these years later, now that he's the GM, I mean, do you feel like we've penetrated that barrier at all? Do we know how he thinks? I mean, this Mantha thing, when I see it, I see bold. a guy who was underperforming, uh, who it didn't break my heart that someone with his talent left because it it seemed like we were never going to unlock it. But did did you get a sense or do you have any insights where, where Iserman, who's such a – you know, perform or or beat it, guy. It just had enough of you know. Yeah, I know it's in you, but if it's not going to come out, we're just tired of waiting. Well, what's interesting too is he signed him to a four year uh, extension five months ago, right? Yeah, not an outrageous contract, but a, a pretty good size contract. Yeah. But I thought that was smart too. They're like, okay, you know, if he, if we can't quite get it here, he's still talented enough that we it's have as in, we have as in an asset and value, yeah. and we can trade him. And they did. But I think it. Uh, you know, he was asked yesterday if it sends a message his his willingness to do this. So so quickly after he re-signed him and uh or re-upped him or whatever and he said no i don't know what you know i don't know that there's a message there but i kind yeah, of think is. it is yeah it's called sunk cost yeah right yeah, i mean get anything out of them so get and, rid you of know them. yeah so it's up there. but it's interesting you're right to your point mike the kind of personalities he wants the young guys who are they going to be looking to if you're coming in at 19 20 21 well maybe not 19 but 2021 20, 22 what are you looking at what kind of what kind of models do you want to Day after day, you know, you want it to be Henrik uh, Zetterberg, or do you want it to be right. Anthony Mantha? Well, the fans seem to be very happy with all his moves <laughs> and all these assets. And, and Mantha's a talented dude, go. right? Well, I mean, which you would think there'd be some fans that were like, "Oh, I really liked," it. but everyone's like, "Get what you can." Team sucks right, right now. Mantha had ability to be one, one of the best players in in hockey. That kind of talent, right? In terms of a two way force, Mario size. Uh, a lot of that strength. Um, I, I was a little surprised to hear people rave about his defense. I never remembered him as a great. Maybe not rave, but play. but decent defense, yeah. and he had the potential to be even better defensively. Yeah, with that mo, if that motor had been more right. But I I remember seeing him along the sidewall, just kind of like get in there, big fella, and he's sort of like watching the play. I'm like, you know, if you want to watch the play from the boards, get a friggin' ticket because yeah. they'll bring you a beer. 
Well, that's the issue with the guy they're bringing in a little bit. So they're hoping to uh, Jakob uh, Vrana. Yeah, but he's cheaper and he can be gone by the summer. If uh, Yeah, he's a restricted free agent. He's a different skill set. He's more of a speed guy and skill guy, but he got benched actually last week yeah, so. in D.C. for puck watching and not getting in and right. that sort of thing. But so anyways, Iserman anyway. remains inscrutable, but uh, but I thought that was a good com. You can see all of Sean's work at freep.com. Please Thank subscribe. You. It's well Worth it. It's good to have Sean back in it's the studio. It's a love studio. fest in here today. I, I mean, oh, you yeah. look handsome and you're smart as ever, and Mark is, you know, steady and, you know, secret, and you're full of milk duds. Secretly sexy. <laughs> That's right. No, no, it's not really secret anymore, is it, Mike? So, Mark is just downright sexy. Thank you. So he's I'll not, own it. Like, uh, like your choice of snacks, he's non Periel. <laughs> so, on that high note, it's time for us to go. Um, uh, w- if you got some spare time this week, please check out Charlie LaDuff's No BS News Hour. And, of course, you know, how could you, how can you not make time for the Drew and Mike podcast? Uh, and to help you find the time to get to those, those fantastic shows, we're going to ask our friend Cyrus to take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? I don't see the city anymore. There's only dark corners. I'll keep you safe. John, I have to be the man this city needs. What are you gonna do? Whatever it takes. We fly every night in the sun. When the sun sets, we're both the same. You and I have a lot in common. We're nothing alike. Shots, evil does not make you good. I respect your conviction. The lone man thinks he can make a difference. This darkness is the light. I'm just trying to make my city a better place.